At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Morning. Morning. We have problems. Oh, Joy, there are no problems, only solutions. I should warn you, this guy's a little rough around the edges. Say hello to our new guest commentator. Who's this delightful creature? I'm your producer. I like your woman on top. Oh. Stick to the script. You hear my voice? Just do what I say. Promise you'll talk dirty? <laughs> Guess what? I met a surgeon last night. Well, you know what that means. What? I'd stick his finger up. Oh, gross. Now listen, men are very visual. Now that is a bra. Oh, I love how you assume all men are as perverse as you are. Oh, I don't assume. I know. So, did the surgeon ask you out? Oh, my. Not yet. If you do exactly as I say, you'll get this guy. You're really that confident. All right, deal. I'm going to make this guy your bitch. Rule number one, we have to teach you flirting. I know how to flirt. Put the hot dog in slowly. Oh, whoa. I don't think so. You have to be two people, the librarian and the stripper. Laugh at whatever he says. What if what he's saying isn't funny? That's irrelevant. For men, self-improvement ends at toilet training. <laughs> now that was perfect. Real or fake? You'll never know. Wow, you look great. Oh, that's just doing the dishes. I think he likes you. He's such a great guy. Yeah, he's dreamy. You're such a man whore. Why am I a man whore? You're telling me you've never slept with the fun bag twins. I only slept with the one who could read. Would you stop doing that? Why is it turning you on? Uh, maybe. I think I kind of like it. Really? Suck. Do it. The ugly truth. Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Question for you guys. Is this the first movie in a while where you could exactly like almost and maybe it's just me pinpoint in your head about what year it was made just by the first song of the movie uh, or, um, i knew it was early 2000s i don't know the last time we had a movie that actually played real music that could be true too <laughs> maybe that maybe that's why i saw thought of it but as soon as it hit that first thing in my head i was just like i wish we were doing commentary on this i feel like we've had this co- we had this conversation about hoku though yet last week that's true <laughs> we're playing our but hits that, that yeah that 
Well, I'm saying that was more of a, a feel of a time period. Like, I'm pretty sure this is like, what, 2004? This movie? I think it might or be like six. 2008. You're nine. This is 2009. 2009 oh, wow. Yeah. Then maybe I'm wrong. You're but I thought I had like, a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. Things are like, yeah. oh, that was that long ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, 13 years ago. Jesus. Katy Perry. <laughs> But yeah, that was a, as soon as the movie opened, I, I just, that popped in my head, but I had completely forgotten about Snow Day. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long week. <laughs> All right. Well, besides that, besides Mark not knowing what year it is, <laughs> what did you guys watch this week? Anything? I, I actually watched a few things. Uh, I kind of went on a Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood run. I only watched a couple movies. I watched In the Line of Fire with uh, John Malkovich and Rene Russo. Uh, okay. th- that was from 93. I'd never seen it before, but it, it, you know, piqued my interest. Pretty good. John Malkovich was awesome. Uh, then I watched... Yeah, oh yeah, he's great. I watched Unforgiven because nice. I... Yeah, I think it was Gene Hackman's birthday uh, a few days ago. So I, I decided to watch that. And uh, man, such a good movie. I, I kind of mm. forgotten how good it was. But, uh, enjoyed that. Then I watched... Uh, Critical Role, the first two episodes of Critical Role on Amazon. I don't know. If, I don't want to spoil anything. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, I forgot that I did. Okay. I actually, it was going to be the thing I said. I actually did mean to watch it all weekend and just just forgot. Yeah, we to. had snow this weekend. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I I got tied up doing other things, video game wise. But so you didn't I, see it, Mark? No, Mark no, is... but yeah. But by, by the time it got, I was like, I was done doing what I was doing with the video game I was playing. I was like, oh, it's midnight. Uh, I, I'm old and I'll probably fall asleep trying to watch this at like 1230 at night. I just got to uh, resign myself to the fact that Mark will never contribute to this portion of the <laughs> show ever again. <laughs> it's gone. It's never happening. Yeah. I will, I will, I will make one promise to you. When a lot of movie, good movies or at least some interesting movies start coming out in theaters again. Um, I will probably start seeing them because, like I said, the theater's right next to my gym. So good, good. when when Jason Momoa in Fast and Furious comes out, you will contribute. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for Fast Ten. <laughs> give me, give me the guy, give me the guy that kind of looks like The Rock when you know you can't get The Rock okay. back. Right. <laughs> well, I, so I won't spoil anything, obviously, but uh, it, I thought it was okay. Uh, I think the one thing I'll I, say is, can I ask a quick question before you say that? Yeah, go for it. Just to know how, just so you know. Um, I've read the first comic. Um, so where where do they where does it start? Uh, it it starts in a tavern, essentially, like um, where they where they first met. They don't know each other yet, right? They know each they other. They know each other, okay. and that's kind of my criticism. My okay. my I have a couple of things, but this really banks on you knowing. Like they want you, like you have to kind of know about Critical Role. Uh, they they really bank on you having already known it. Um, it was that, that's my real criticism with it. I, I thought yeah. the animation's good. Obviously the voice acting is good. It's their characters, their voice. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to go super crude. Like, I, I don't mind it so much, but there's a lot of throwing up in this show. Uh, I was not expecting that, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, it's only two episodes, so I'm not going to judge it harshly or, you know, positively just yet on the first yeah. two. But, yeah, I didn't know if they were going to start at the beginning of the comics or the beginning of the the show. I, I so. yeah, it's just uh, yeah, just the show. They they you don't know how long they've known each other. Okay, 
and I, in the first episode, even one, like, I think it's Keyless. So it's like, why are we together? That's a good question. Why are you together? I'm assuming yeah. that'll come along with the other episodes, or at least I'm hoping. Well, yeah, from, from the comics, they do actually have a good, like, origin. Yeah. Thing, yeah. But it, I don't know if they went that far back, but obviously mm -hmm. they didn't. It seems like it seems like they were like, here are the the main points of campaign one. We let's make sure we do these fan yeah. favorite storylines, essentially. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, they're just dump. Yeah. They jump right into a, uh, yeah. a storyline. Yeah, uh, don't worry about spoiling it to me. I've watched the campaign, the full campaign one, at least two or three times. So uh, we, we are not recording this podcast for your benefit, Mark. We've got <laughs> listeners. <Okay. laughs> but I'm saying if Dan was worried about spoiling it for me because I haven't seen it. No. Uh, <laughs> other than that. I, I caught up on Peacemaker, and I caught up on Boba, uh, Boba Fett. Not sure if anyone is... I, I don't want to spoil those either, G but I... G general thoughts on Boba Fett, because I've heard some things about it. So boring. Very yes, that boring. is exactly what I heard. <laughs> um, I, I will say, the last episode was by far the best episode, and... Uh, Boba Fett's not in it. I'm just <laughs> I think that's a real issue. And when, when your title character is not in an episode and it's like leaps and bounds better. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. I, I've already invested, I guess, was it five episodes? So I'll finish that to the end. And is the Peacemaker opening as good as Twitter makes me think it is? I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't like it that much. I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a killjoy, but uh, it's kind of <laughs> annoying. I think like, I I get it. It's it's comedy, but I, I I liked it the first time. I was like, I can't see myself watching this over and over again. I don't think there's very many TV openings that are are like I can constantly watch. You know, usually I'll skip it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe Game of Thrones. I I kind of like the Game of Thrones open sequence, but. I'd have to really think about what else I really liked. If we're yeah. going way back, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, <laughs> it's probably the only ones. Sure. But uh, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, interesting. Uh, Mark, anything? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a few things, but mostly television. So I watched the first, I think it's three episodes of Critical Role, is it not? I thought it was two. I thought it might be it's three. three. Is it three? Oh, I, I thought it was watched two. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. they're uh, Thursday or tonight or something. They're doing a watch along. I saw it come across Twitter. Gotcha. Uh, so I watched that. It's exactly what I thought it would be. I'm not super surprised by any of it. It's fine. Nothing, nothing blowing, blown away by. But mm -hmm. it's, it seems very, like it's, it's very existent. It's very fan servicey, mm -hmm. and I, I feel like the storyline is pretty fan servicey. But it's, it's not bad. It's, it's very niche, right? It's just like. Like you said, it's like, well, if you watched, if you listen to campaign one, you're going to get a lot more out of this than anybody that hasn't. I can't, I can't put myself into the, the feet of some of uh, the foot, the, the shoes. That's the word I'm looking for. The shoes of someone that hasn't heard at least, I don't even know how much of the first campaign I, I listened to, but it was a lot. Um, so I don't really know how, what you could get out of it if you haven't listened to that, but it's, it's not bad. It's an enjoyable show. You get tits in it, animated tits in like the first five minutes. And balls. And balls. So, oh, even better. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> that's something for the kids. That's pretty great. I watch, we've been watching Euphoria. I don't know if you guys have seen Euphoria on HBO. 
at all. No, I haven't. I, I've seen yeah. a lot of uh, controversy around it, though. I don't know what the controversy is. I just uh, every time I watch it, I'm just like, was I lame or is this not a thing that actually happens to people in high school? I, it was something about one of the actresses not feeling comfortable uh, doing certain scenes. Oh, and I, I yeah, I, I, that's all I've seen about it. Gotcha. Uh, so I watched that, and then I watched the Netflix series we watched together, "The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window." That's a title. So it's like it's Kristen Bell in this series, and it's supposed to be like a send up of these, like the girl on the train or the the woman in the window, like these like best selling novel thriller murder mystery stories that's like you like air airport bookstores are full of these books. And I just don't know what the joke is, is really where I come across with this movie with this series. It's like it'll play itself seriously for like 10 minutes and then all of a sudden it'll get really goofy and then it'll get and then it'll go back to being serious. And it's just like, what's the joke here? Are we like, are we supposed to say, oh, yeah, these are stupid or is it trying to have it its cake and eating it, too? Essentially is where I came out of it with it. So is it trying? Is it supposed to be a comedy or like a black comedy? It's supposed to be. It's it borderlines on spoof. Okay. But at the same time, it also is playing. It's it's lining up with the same exact tropes that it's kind of lampooning. It's tough. It's really. I feel like we've talked about movies that are similar to this in that feeling. Interesting. Yeah. I I did see that on. I I, I was passing by because I I also started watching this show. Like we I think it's We Are All Dead. It's a Korean. I think a Korean zombie series. But I passed okay. by that, and it, it just, I didn't get it either. I'm like, well, okay. So it, I guess it was just trying to, all of those things that you were talking about, right? Like the, the girl yeah. in the window and you know, all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, all right, I, I get it, I guess. But it didn't seem very interesting. Yeah, it was just weird. A weird experience all around. Like, it wasn't partic- It wasn't particularly funny. It was just like, there was parts when it was just like, oh, that well, that's ridiculous. Great. Like, didn't make me laugh. It just kind of made me scratch my head. Like, that was weird. Uh, so it, it was basically a, a way to kill time. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it with my wife, so, you know. Could be worse, I suppose. Yeah. That's all I think I watched. Um, Just, yeah, just TV. And editing last week's podcast almost killed me. Oh, brutal. <laughs> brutal. But that's all we watched this week. So we are going to take a quick break and listen to some ads so we could pay those bills. And we will be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week is Dan's pick. And Dan, this week is a special week because we are talking about Gerarduary. I'm a fan of this. I, I'm, glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that you coined that term. Yes. So for a little backstory, for some reason it feels like we have watched about a dozen Gerard Butler movies. And I think before this this recording of this episode, I think we've really only watched one. <laughs> uh, and you weren't even on that episode. Yeah. And I wasn't even on that episode. Upstanding Citizen. But uh, Law well, Abiding Citizen. Citizen, yes. But it feels like we've watched like at least 10 <laughs> for whatever reason. And I think what winds up, you probably picked some Gerard Butler movies for some polls we've done in the past mm. that haven't won. But so we've decided uh, Dan is only allowed to pick a Gerard Butler movie in the month of February and he gets one. So and and I'm very, very thankful for that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like we've ghettoized uh, Gerard Butler, so he is now in a ghetto in the beginning of February. <laughs> so why don't you introduce this week's Geraduary pick? Sure. For this year's Geraduary pick, sure. It's only one. Yeah, I only get one, and I, I feel like feel like we start off on the on a on the right foot here, like on a solid Gerard Butler movie, and it it combines Geraduary and Valentine's Day. And I picked The Ugly Truth, and uh, man, I this movie talk about a movie that will never ever get made ever again in in any type of climate now. Holy shit, this movie is out of control. Uh, I I remember seeing this movie. It, it came out the year I graduated college. I, I probably watched it with my wife, my you know then girlfriend, and kind of like showing her like, yeah, you see, that's what guys like. That's what a guy is like. And not really, <laughs> not realizing I sounded like a total douchebag. Uh, <laughs> I think after watching it again. I learned the error of my ways. Oh man! I <laughs> finally, yeah, yeah. thirteen years day. later. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we all grow and evolve as people, right? <laughs> so I think it's better late than never to realize that this movie was kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> this movie will tell you that you can't grow. I think that's what he tries. Men to tell don't you. change. Yeah. Right. So he he doesn't realize George's. Uh, George Mike in this movie, he's he's wrong. He's dead wrong because I did change. People can change. You don't always have to be a piece of shit. Sloppy <laughs> <That's> <laughs> steaks at Trufani's, <laughs> white Ferrari. I'm a, live, for New Year's, <laughs> live for New Year's Eve. I'm afraid that Gerard Butler doesn't think that <laughs> doesn't think that I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> oh man, that's a good tie in Gerard Butler, and I think you should leave. Yeah, only here. Only here can we make that <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, where are you coming from with the ugly truth? Yeah, so I have not seen this before, which kind of shocked me. Um, but the it's I'm so glad Dan said what he said, because my first thought when Mike came on screen is, this is a character Dan would play. And <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> just, just as it, just trying to get, you know, a, just a rile out of someone. Just not not like fully believing anything you're saying. Yeah. But just, you know, <laughs> just being like the... Uh, um, classic devil. Trying to get someone's goat. Yeah, classic exactly. Devil's That's advocate. what I'm looking for. Yeah, devil's advocate. Just having fun with it. Like, I like you think Mike actually Mike actually believes all everything he says in the movie. Just trying um, to get Catherine Heigl to clutch her pearls a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which she does. Drop her monocle into a glass of champagne. Oh, I never. Yeah, so... <laughs> My first thought is in this genre, it's not terrible um, in terms of um, the the structure of the movie. Um, you know, it it I like I think the one thing that would have made this if you could even make it really better, you know, given the content um, would have been with a better female lead than Katherine Heigl. Um, I just maybe it's just me that, you know, she just feels dislikable to me and it it. You know, it's hard to care about her relationships in a movie. Um, but yeah, I I don't even know how they got away with it in 2009, um, to be honest. But, um, you know, just the, the slapping the ass part of this, um, the, very much these, they even make a joke about sexual harassment training in this. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it felt like, like the reason why I thought I may have seen this before is just it feels... Um, 
all these Catherine Heigl movies kind of blend together um, in this sure. time period. Because she's playing um, the same character in each one. Yeah, exactly. Very she's uptight. playing Catherine Heigl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, you know, it was like, I didn't, I always judge my movies by if how many times I checked how much time's left. Um, and the only time I really checked this time was because I was squeezing it in before we started recording. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, how much do I have left um, before this gets in? Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it's fine. It's just something that, you know, um, is completely, um, in, if, if you're going to do, if you're okay with the content and, you know, don't really mind the, you know, crudeness and, you know, the very, a lot of, um, you know, chauvinistic stuff and stuff like that, you know, it can be a, a something you put on just to watch, you know, at some point it's. I don't I don't know the words to get it because it's it, the content's offensive, but it's not like they show anything really offensive. If you get what I'm saying, it's just like a lot of words. It's very um, uncouth. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of holds a weird place to me um, with that. But yeah. Yeah. That's a I just wish it had a, a um, you know, a better female lead than Catherine Heigl. OK. I've never seen this before, and I watched it for the first time, starting at seven o'clock the night of the record, and I watched it at one and a half speed. <laughs> so <laughs> I really got the full effect of this movie. Yeah, it is not good. I will say that. I will disagree with you, though, in terms of your opinion on Katherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. I think I don't like her, but she is perfect for these roles. And that is to her detriment because she wound up getting typecast because she plays the same character in a dozen movies in a row, roughly. Yeah, it's a 2009 movie and it feels every which way a 2009 movie. I don't think like, but it's also, it feels like it's putting on airs really about how, uncouth it is right it doesn't really feel like it believes it though it it does it 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 shoehorns itself that way like it really forces in the crudeness like it's all like we were just talking about how dan would be this character just to get a rise out of someone and that's really what this movie's doing it's not believing its own it doesn't believe mike is right in any way and that would be more interesting movie if if this movie was for some reason, somehow got through the Hollywood system and just 100% believe the misogyny that it's it's peddling. I mean, it is a super sexist movie, but it's all like it's platitudes that you've heard a hundred times. Oh man, men all they care. Like it's it's yeah. stuff like from daytime afternoon talk shows kind of mm-hmm. talking points. Like men just yeah. want sex, women want something more than that. Well, if you want to get a man, you're going to have to give blowjobs. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe you said blowjobs. <laughs> it's that kind of like nonsense. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know I, what to say about this movie. Yeah, I, I would say the one time I had a genuine laugh in the movie was when uh, they were in hot air balloon. Um, didn't know they were on camera, and the producers like all freaking out. That's a pretty funny. And then moment. she says "fuck," and he goes, "Oh, that's the first yeah, one. They're gonna curse. <laughs> I know it." <laughs> i i I have one genuine laugh that almost a giggle and it was almost at that scene too it was right before that scene when jack magnum talks about all the girls he had sex with (laughs) 137 (laughs) (laughs) because that was the first time it felt like oh wow we're going there (laughs) real quick 
the guy who plays Jack Magnum plays Sindri on a in a God of War. I don't know if you guys have played God of War. The new oh, one. He's he's the headless uh, the headless guy or the the bodyless guy. He's he's the head. Sure. Yeah. The head. So yeah. Pretty cool. I just thought that was an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. This was. I don't know. I don't know why Gerard Butler did these movies. <laughs> right. Because I this is after three hundred. Yeah. It's like three years later. Yeah. So because then he does he I think was P.S. I love you before or after three hundred. Uh, I feel like it was, if it was after, it was like right after, right. but it might've been before. Cause the, like, that's the, that's the problem. I mean, like 300 was the super macho movie. Uh, you know, it was a huge hit catapulted him to stardom. And then you do the ugly truth. Uh, you do some movie about him surfing, uh, something with him in, uh, with, uh, Nicole Annis, Nicole Annis, Jennifer, Jennifer, Jennifer Nicole Aniston. Aniston's a porn star. I'm sorry. Bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Uh, <laughs> uh, you told on yourself I, there. I did. Uh, <laughs> whoops. But uh, yeah, so he he does all these like rom com. Like, uh, but then he kind of got back on track with Olymp Olympia. Uh, what is it? Olympus, Olympus has fallen. fallen. Yes. So here here we could go through yeah. it. Three hundred two thousand six. Uh, PSI Love You two thousand seven. Rock and Roll two thousand eight. Ugly Truth two thousand nine. Gamer two thousand nine. Law Abiding Citizen two thousand nine. Very busy two thousand and nine for him. Uh, Bounty Hunter in twenty ten. Then he starts doing How to Train Your Dragon in twenty ten. Uh, Machine Gun Preacher in twenty eleven. Playing for Keeps twenty twelve. Chasing Mavericks also twenty twelve. That's the uh, surfing movie. Okay. Then Olympus Has Fallen in 2013, Gods of Egypt in 2016, London Has Fallen also 2016, uh, Geostorm 2017, Den of Thieves 2018, and Angel Has Fallen in 2019, and yeah, just other stuff in between here, there, and there, but those are the big ones, so. He has 12 upcoming projects? Uh, Looks like it. Good for him. That's ridiculous. Two sequels. Two movies that I didn't think deserved sequels because I have no idea if they're good or not. Greenland or Greenland and Den of Thieves 2. Oh, Greenland migration. I saw Greenland. It was uh, eh. <laughs> very eh. He's, he's yeah. got to stay away from disaster movies. Uh... But, is, but is he is he too good for those movies? No, but <laughs> I, I don't want him to be in those movies. You you are an unapologetic Gerard Butler fan. I am. I, right? Can we can we say that? Can we go on record and say 100% that? One hundred percent you can, yes. Okay. I, I like this guy. I he seems like a cool guy. Um I wish he would take better projects. Is it you think he's a cool guy because of because of Mike, right? You <laughs> you think Gerard Butler is Mike in, in real life. I think Gerard Butler's I think Mike is basically like Joe Rogan right now, essentially. Okay. Uh sure. But I I just think he seems like a cool guy, not not Joe Rogan, uh, uh, Gerard <laughs> Butler. It's, he's he's Scottish, right? I think he's Scottish. Right. He's got that awesome accent. He could he could probably you know he could probably take you out on a good night in the town and have some cool stories. Just shoot the shit with you. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I th- here's a question. Yes. Uh, is Mike vaccinated? Do you think? One hundred percent no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. He's he's 100% a MAGA dude. He would have to be, Probably. right? Yeah. That would be really disappointing for his fans. I would think if he if he went the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> what happened to you, Mike? You used to be cool. Mike's woke. Get woke, go broke, Mike. <laughs> right. Yeah. But after he after he gets like fired or something like that. <laughs> Just what happens, libtard. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I'm just not the, the, the demographic for this movie. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't know who is the demographic for this movie. Cause I asked my wife if she wanted to watch this with me and she said, no, so did mine. like astoundingly. No, like I have no interest in that. You know how right. you make this movie better. I'll tell you real quick. You put Judy Greer as the uh, assistant joy. That 100% was felt like. They couldn't get Judy yeah, Greer. This, I had in my notes, was Judy Greer not available? <laughs> and you switch out Eric Winters' Colin for uh, for Marston. Uh, which one is it? James, James Marston. James yeah, Marston. You put James Marston oh, yeah. in there. Because that dude is the mm-hmm. king of losing out on women. He's the cuck king. He is the cuck king. Cuck king of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't lose the woman to Sonic in the Sonic movie. <laughs> well, there is a sequel, Dan. Oh, Knuckles right, is yeah. absolutely taking his girl. Oh, yeah. He's going knuckle deep. <laughs> like, oh, shit, that voice. I that's, can't help it. That's what he means when he says to Sonic, I don't need your power. Because <laughs> he's going to go get that girl. Yeah, yeah so... Is, so, is the... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Good. Go ahead. I was, was going to say, is the only movie that James Marsden gets the girl is... 27 dresses 20. the other Catherine Heigl movie <laughs> Catherine Heigl, yeah. yeah I think so and you know what let's see when did 27 dresses come I out? agree with you Ann. I I like Catherine Heigl she she played the part perfectly uh and I kind of feel bad for her because there's that story about how you know she's notoriously difficult to work with in Hollywood I, I right. wonder how much of that is true is she really that way or is it she's been typecast that way Right. Um, yeah, I think a lot of those stories about actresses that are "quote unquote" difficult. You know, you in nowadays you start thinking of like, hmm, how much is that just because she doesn't won't play ball with just the the men in power? Really, I, what if she probably fights for what she wants? Right, because like one of the stories is coming from uh, Seth Rogen. You're like, all right, well, I kind of feel like I have to take that with a grain of salt, you know? Because right, because she came out, she came out and talked about uh knocked up being sort of sexist and it kind of is yeah you know absolutely it's really talking about the same it's really talking about the same kind of stuff that this movie does yes yeah it's like except for instead of being gerard butler you're a schlubby dude that uh (laughs) that wants to smoke weed all day yeah Uh, yeah at least she in her defense she's dropping that for gerard butler who is in vastly better shape um yeah and has career goals unlike seth rogan's character uh (laughs) yeah and so I kind of I, I kind of want to side with her mostly. I I don't want to take uh, like her side fully because you never know. I mean, she could be really right. difficult to work with. I don't know, but I agree. I think it's probably her fighting for something that she believes and just getting that label. She's difficult. She's difficult um, because she. Is, this is going to sound shallow, but she's very attractive. She's a good-looking woman. I think. Yeah. She, I think she was pretty good in this, and I, I liked her in Knocked Up. I thought that she was funny in that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't hate her in this. I, I couldn't think of someone better to really play Abby. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there, there, the one thing in this movie that I, I did like, there was some good chemistry between a couple of the actors. Where, and I like John Michael Higgins uh, and Cheryl Hines. That I think they're very funny. Mm-hmm. I got a couple laughs out of them. Uh, there's a line. And they're they're getting ready for uh, to go on air. And John Michael Higgins talked about how there's a bird in his dressing room. Oh yeah, that was good. Like, yeah, 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 there's a live there's a live bird in there just flying around. 
I'll take care of it. Yeah, please do. And it's just like, where is that coming from? Uh, and then Shira Hines' character is, oh, someone's got to keep the door shut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, those those two are very funny. I thought Gerard Butler and Katherine Heigl had pretty good chemistry for the most part. You know, not nothing like groundbreaking, but I believed there was a little something there, which is more than we could say for m- most of the movies that we watch that have this type of uh, sure this type of genre. Um, yeah, but it's not a good movie in any sense of the way. It's it's definitely a product of its time. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I think you look at it through a lens and you you would say yeah this is bad, but if you look back at it in 2009, you would say it's bad, but it's entertaining. Sure. Yeah. So, um, just adding to the joke that she might be difficult to work with, the uh, 27 dresses, which uh, James Marston was in, came out before The Ugly Truth. So, if they had asked him to do The Ugly Truth, there's the sort of he already had experience with that. Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, that would have been pretty uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So, I, I think. Um... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, good. I was just gonna say uh, this is just definitely a movie. That exists in a time where the Man Show was still on the air, <laughs> with Joe Rogan at that point. <laughs> with Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope, yeah, yeah. that's right. Who would have thought? Right? Look yeah, how far so we've come, guys. The just looking through her IMDb, so we we'll start at twenty seven dresses. So I think that's really, like, um, or at least it starts the trend. So then it's twenty seven dresses, Ugly Truth, Killers, which I think we, we watched. did watch that. Yeah, uh, Life as We Know It, um, New Year's Eve, One for the Money, um, and I think that's like the last one but those all were in a row <laughs> those yeah. movies between 2008 and 2011 and one for the money is like a spiritual sequel to bounty hunter is it starring gerard butler oh, no way i mean she plays like a bounty hunter <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. i've never even heard of that movie yeah yeah and i don't think she goes back to romantic comedies for a while i'm curious does she have anything lined up yeah she has she's currently in a series called firefly lane okay on netflix and she has one project coming up Woodhull, whatever that is, a another TV miniseries. It seems like she's back in TV. That's yeah. cool. Good for her. Yeah, she was in Suits for twenty six episodes. Yeah, I, you know, again, it could be either way. It, it, this is a, a, a he said, she said kind of thing where. Yeah, it's it's no Jeff Garland. <laughs> well, I I wish her the best, and I wish Gerard Butler yeah. the best because I love him, and <laughs> I I I. I uh, this is why we had to give Dan one month, one week a month, <laughs> yeah. a year to talk about Gerard oh, Butler movies. I, I think I kind of have to come to the the realization I have a man crush. You this is a legit man, man crush. crush. I I think he's a good looking dude. <laughs> I don't know about now. I, he's got to be like fifty, right? I'm saying fifty year old men can't look good, but I don't know if he if he's caught up with him. You know, yeah. I, I still got your back, Gerard. <laughs> Doesn't Though sound like the, it. He's over 50. Phantom of the Opera, he's pretty bad. <laughs> he was totally miscast for Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, I can believe that. Great. I don't know what they were yeah. going for there. They tried something different and missed. That's okay. <laughs> the, uh, in, what was I thinking? Um, the scene with Craig Ferguson, um, I wonder, like, how much Craig made fun of him for doing his American accent. Uh, yeah, they probably got on each other a little bit. Can you? The first thing I thought of, like, is he going to slip in this scene? Can you imagine if he went on like Fallon? It would have been. Oh, I couldn't think oh. of anything more annoying. Fallon would have rubbed his right. hair. This this totally misogynistic douchebag, Jimmy Fallon's just like humanizing him. Oh, isn't he great? Everybody, <laughs> this guy's the best. See, awesome. You you want to go play the egg game, Mike? <laughs> have him sing or something. Oh God, I can't think of anything more annoying than those two together. <laughs> 
Him and Paris so, Hilton. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, The Ugly Truth from 2009 is directed by Robert Luketic, and just listen to this Murderer's oh, Row that he's directed. Legally Blonde, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, Killers, Monster-in-Law, 21, Paranoia, and The Wedding Year. Okay. Mm. We've all... We've covered killers before. Stars Catherine Heigl, Gerard Butler, Bree Turner, Eric Winter, Cheryl Hines, John Michael Higgins, Nick Searcy, Noah Matthews, Bonnie Somerville, Yvette Nicole Brown, and Nate Cordry. Has an IMDb score of 6.4 and a Rotten Tomato score of 14%. Budget $38 million. Box office $88 domestic, $321 million worldwide. It's a hit. It's a hit. Yep. Certified hit. Uh, but. I mean, yeah. there's a reason she kept making them. Uh, here's the thing. Yep. You can't make a sequel, right? No. No. None of her uh, romantic comedy could make a sequel. Maybe The Killer? I would say maybe? that would be the most likely, right? Because it's an action yeah. action movie. Yeah, th- this you couldn't, yeah. right? It's just, uh, that, that's it. That's how it ends. They get together. 28 dresses. 28 dresses, right. <laughs> right, because that would make sense. Because then she would be... I never saw 27 dresses, so please excuse me if I'm totally butchering this. I don't know if it ends. <laughs> Would the 28th dress be her wedding dress? Unless she, I don't know if she gets married at the end of 27 dresses, yeah. but I don't. I don't know if she had 26 bridesmaids dresses and one wedding dress, or it was just 27 bridesmaids dresses. I no couldn't idea. tell you. And if you're out there, let us know. I guess <laughs> or don't. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. We we don't yeah. really care. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just pretend that. Or like maybe she gets divorced from James but, Marston. But we would love the engagement. So what if the tw- what if the twenty eighth dress is her is her mourning dress and he oh, dies shit. in between two movies? She wears black for the whole year. <laughs> James Marston's yeah. like, I'm making that Sonic money now. I don't need to be. See in the you later, people. Catherine. Uh, With James Marston, luck he would have died on the way to the wedding. Right. Yeah. So he finally gets the girl and he just dies before oh. he could do anything. There is one scene that I remember from that movie. Uh, apparently, they're both big Elton John fans, so he he's got to be belting out like "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" or something on the way, and just he like he's feeling it, and he just swerves <laughs> off the road. <laughs> he just gets t-boned by a tractor trailer. <laughs> Goodbye oh, Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> And then, like, it just the camera pans over the accident, and like the the radio is still playing. Yeah. The song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then the next the next shot is Catherine Heigl's character at the altar, it's like oh, yeah, nervously he'll be here. Oh, he's fine. Don't worry. And then one of the bridesmaids rushes in, whispers, and she just collapses. And then boom, title card: twenty eight dresses. <laughs> And that and that bridesmaid played by Judy Greer. Yes, perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love this movie. <laughs> oh yes, let's make it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the, that's it for this podcast. We're gonna go off. Yeah, we're like twenty eight right now. Got to go get in touch with uh, Catherine Heigl's manager. Ah <laughs> uh, man, yeah, maybe she, she maybe she'll be into it. Now she might be into it. Now, real quick. Does she find love again? Or is Yes, it... so this movie is about finding love after she found love. Right. Yeah. It's... That, yeah. Does or or is it about loving yourself? Yes. And learning to move on after you've lost love. I think either works, mm. but I don't think we have enough of those movies, right? Where 
you don't have to necessarily find another love. You know? Yeah. Because I think there's nothing wrong with self-love and self-healing. So we, we get that in there. You can have mm-hmm. another love interest, and he doesn't have to be a bad guy. It's just like... Right. Hey, I feel like this is turning into P.S. I love you, to be honest with you. <laughs> but we don't have any like notes. Like, right. James yes. Marston wouldn't have had time to, to leave notes. <laughs> uh, Ooh, what if the note is his handwritten vows that she reads at the end that would be pretty cool that, that she can't cool. she she can't bring herself to read his vows yeah because it yeah it's still through, too close mm, yeah mm-hmm. we're workshopping it we're workshopping yeah, it i like it i like it i now who I feel like do we give do we have two uh love interests or just the one maybe we go i think of who's hot right mm. chris pratt no uh <laughs> Do, uh, maybe we go with uh I'm I'm trying to think Marvel here because Marvel has everybody. Uh it's Chris Evans. Chris Evans, yeah, that's not bad. Chris Evans, Simi Liu might not be a bad choice. He's Ooh, pretty yeah. good looking. Uh yeah. What about that uh oh what's his uh the dude from uh Midnight Mass, that handsome uh oh, yes. Handsome guy with the beard. Oh uh oh, shit. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. I like him. I think, and he's a good-looking guy too. Oh, he, I'm he's, pulling it up. He was in all those movies or those shows, right on Netflix. All the haunted, haunting shows. Roll Coley. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, I think so. I, I knew it started with an R. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, any three of those guys, I like. And mm-hmm. and the good thing is they're not bad people. She has fun with them. She's she's kind of forcing herself to have fun with them, right? Right. So it's it's not natural, and yeah, she, she's trying to move on before she's moved on. Perfect. Right. And mm-hmm. she she does does she find the vows or has she had them this whole time? I think she had she's had them the whole time, right? Because yeah. he would have had them on him, right? And with, like maybe when she goes to identify the body, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is is the uh, the coroner like eating a sandwich? <laughs> he, he's listening to his Walkman eating a sandwich. Yeah. Like she, I guess she surprises him, right? Like, oh, uh, yeah. this is what he had on him at the time. Sorry for your condolences, and like, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen is playing in his headphones for some reason. Um, yeah, I, I like that, and she doesn't she doesn't read them, and maybe she's getting ready to go out for a big date with one of these guys, you know, whoever's playing the the main, and she's she's bummed out, and she finally she looks at it. You know, Marston's character writes whatever. It's like, oh, you know, like, I look forward to spending my entire life with you through the good, the bad, whatever. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll write that up. We'll we'll punch it up and make it way more sappy and tear jerking. Um, and yeah, she just she realizes like there's there's nothing that could top that. You know, there's no one who could beat him. And that was that was it. She's just gonna move on. She she's happy with herself and yeah, just go from there. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love this movie. 28 dresses. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Coming in 2023. Yep. You guys want to get into the plot? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Of not 28 dresses of uh, this movie. The Ugly Truth, yeah. I guess, is the name of the movie we're covering. <laughs> uh, Dan, what you got for us this week? Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. All right. Got to get back on track. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of our friends. Our one friend, Tia. Our friend, Brittany. Both at uh, Geek Vibe Nation. And Brittany have a podcast. They have a couple of podcasts, I believe. Uh, Coffee Break with Tia and Top Ten with Tia. Uh, both awesome podcasts. They 
Obviously, the top 10 is a top 10 list of movies, uh, TV shows, what have you. And then Coffee Break is just Tia and Brittany hanging out, kind of doing what we do, shoot the shit and talk about whatever is on their mind. Uh, they're great. Uh, Brittany streams at Twitch, I think, twitch.tv slash Brit. Tia is at TC underscore Stark on Twitter. And she's also the head writer for Geek Vibes Nation. So just go over to gvnation.com, search her name. You're going to find a bunch of cool stuff there. Yeah, go give it a follow. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break. And you guys are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. And we will be back in a second. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly. The show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribed to the best little horror house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there and welcome back and now it's time to get into the ugly truth we open on katie perry's hot and cold as we get some shots of sacramento as the credits roll gotta love a movie that that takes place in sacramento yeah career driven abby played by katherine heigl walks out of her house and goes to work at the local news station she's a boss ass bitch as katherine heigl does and she's solving problems all across the station, including seeing new weatherman candidates, dealing with the ego of her news anchor, and general nonsense that she has to deal with on a daily basis. Even that joke is kind of like, I don't know how much play that would get nowadays. The They get the forecast wrong a lot, and most people never feel bad if it's a fat guy <laughs> about the yeah, weatherman. Sure. I, that, but no, more likely to forgive a fat man, I'm sorry. The opening line kind of sets the precedent for this movie. Because she's like, oh, why are they all fat? I'm like, okay, so we're right into body shaming. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, like, okay, we know where this is heading. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to a segment on the news show as Cheryl Hines and John Michael Higgins do a cooking segment. And there's a light kerfuffle over the fact that the chef made duck, which Cheryl Hines doesn't approve of. I don't understand what the drama here was. No. But we move on. We then cut to her having a meeting with her boss, and the ratings are an issue. The show is currently getting beaten by Jerry Springer reruns, so she needs to think of something to liven up the show. He tells her he doesn't want to cancel the show, but he might have to if ratings don't improve. So in the bathroom, Heigl's associate producer convinces her to go on a date with a guy that she's been blowing off for some time. She goes to the restaurant. Not Judy Greer. Yep. Yeah. Not Judy Greer. (laughs) She goes to the restaurant. For her date, and it's with E from Entourage, who we talked about last week, (laughs) who lied about his height and thought reading The Great Gatsby once was a great substitute for a personality. Sounds like E. They literally just write E. (laughs) It's it's very serendipitous that he shows up in this movie after we just talked about him. (laughs) 
uh, dating another person, dating another person he's uh, that is too good for him. But she definitely makes sure to point out that he's five foot nine. Yep. <laughs> Which You're actually five. Kind of felt. Half. I felt kind of hurt by that, Captain mm-hmm. Heigl. All right. Yeah, he's a short king. Deal with yeah, it, Captain Heigl. <laughs> right. But you, you you wouldn't be able to handle me, all right, Captain Heigl. <laughs> How tall you... is she? She comes off as tall. She does look kind of tallish. She's probably like six foot. She's probably five so, nine, five ten. Like she's probably his height. Five nine, six foot in heels. Right. Yeah. There you go. We're both right. <laughs> the date does not go well as Heigl pours over printouts of E's dating profile and also the background check that she ran on him because the profile wasn't enough. It winds up being more like a job interview than a date. And predictably, Heigl returns home defeated in her terrible attempt at an emotional connection. She has a cat because this is not 2009 and back then this was symbolism for loneliness. Uh, when she's inside, the cat accidentally turns on the TV and winds up on a local station as Gerard Butler aggressively addresses the camera, spouting cliche men versus women rhetoric that would make the man show look nuanced. The Joe Rogan, Doug Stanhope man show at all at that. So I actually did write that Joe Rogan joke in before you mentioned it. (laughs) Great minds. And Heigl is just appalled by this. So she decides to call the show and give him a piece of her mind. Starts telling, starts off by telling him that men are indeed capable of love, despite what he says and that, and then describes what she thinks is the perfect man. And when he realizes that she's talking about an imaginary person, he calls her ugly and hangs up on her. (laughs) The next day at work, Abby goes to a meeting where her boss announces that he has hired Mike Gerard Butler as a guest commentator on her new show on a part-time basis. And he plays a clip from the night before the show where Mike calls Abby ugly. And the boss says he's got a point of view and we don't have to like it, but it will help ratings. The boss would later go on to run Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of part of the scene is like, oh, that's what's been wrong in the last six years. Yep. <laughs> That's where I got the the Joe Rogan part from. Like, oh, we don't have, yeah, we don't have to like his point of view. (laughs) But he's got ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Will he smoke weed with me on camera? (laughs) The team protests and then Mike shows up out of nowhere to toxify the workplace. (laughs) Later, he comes in to introduce himself to Abby in her office and then they get into a little spat and she reveals she was the caller from last night and he says pussy in the workplace to his new producer. Yep. She storms off and tells John Michael Higgins and Cheryl Hines that she wants Mike to crash and burn. So during his first segment, Cheryl Hines, Georgia, and John Michael Higgins, Larry, come at him gun blaze, guns blazing, basically asking how he feels to bring down the collective TV television culture single-handedly. But Mike turns it around on them and puts them under the microscope. They're actually a married news team, and Mike deduces that Larry is emasculated by Georgia's success, and they haven't had sex in months because he's impotent over his own jealousy. Mike's very ability to point out the problem in Larry and George's marriage lights fire under them, and when he convinces them to kiss on live TV, they go at it like a couple teenagers. I, I, I did kind of like these, the, the slight joke where he says her age, and then it cuts back to Catherine Heigl, and she's like, oh no, he said her age. This could, go, and then you know, like that was the that was the terrible thing in that entire segment. Sure, I missed that because I was watching at one and a half speed. Okay, <laughs> Abby freaks out over the display, so she goes to hide in her closet. But the boss loves it, and so do the viewers. So they got a bunch of calls over the segment, and most of them were positive. Boss now wants to steer the show into a new direction and focus on the ugly truth. Mike goes home and listens to his answering machine where a bunch of thirsty-ass women leave embarrassingly X-rated details over the phone. 
as his nephew walks in and he scrambles and fails to turn off the answering machine. Then his nephew tells him that he tried to nag a 14-year-old like he told him to on the show and didn't work because he made the girl cry. Mike tells his nephew that he's supposed to do that to 25-year-olds, not 14-year-olds. That's better. Right. <laughs> girls are going through puberty. You have enough problems. I, I think you should probably stay away from telling any kids any of that stuff. It's yeah. very damaging. I- this is obviously the scene where we're supposed to see that he actually has a heart. Right, but it's, right. I, I don't think it's, it's done. Yeah, it's not done no. nuanced enough, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, anytime you tell you tell a 14-year-old that he has to wait till he's hitting on 25-year-olds in order to neg them, uh, it's still not good. <laughs> no, that, that's like Anthony Kiedis. I didn't like Anthony, uh, the the guy, from, the main singer from uh, the lead singer from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like his dad was taking him to like orgies when he was like thirteen. Yeah. That's how you screw your kid up, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Kiedis came out well uh, or something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just look past the heroin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the debilitating yeah. drug problem. Who doesn't do a little age here and there? <laughs> Show you, Dad. <laughs> How else do you come down from all the coke in the morning? <laughs> so uh, what we're saying is that's essentially where Mike is sending him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> At home, Abby's getting ready for bed when her cat knocks over a vase and then runs out an open window. Who names their fucking cat D'Artagnan, first of all? I thought the same thing. Like, all right, we get it, lady. You're, you're very you read well the read. Three Musketeers in college. <laughs> Yeah. We get it, all right? You're sophisticated. Mm-hmm. She chases after him and climbs up a tree to grab the cat. And when she does, her hot neighbor comes out of the shower and she can see right through his window. She can't help but get a good look at this beefcake. But at the Colin, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, all of us leave the window wide open in our bathroom. Well, I mean, if you got the abs of Colin, yeah. if I had Colin's abs, yeah, I would be. I was going to say, I would <laughs> do that. Just, yeah. just in hopes. I don't need, I wouldn't need nothing to happen. I just need someone to comment on it. Just need somebody to else to appreciate it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like when you cook something great, you don't want to just enjoy it yourself. Yeah. You want other right. people to enjoy it. So when I'm cooking <laughs> these abs, you know, I'm working on, you know, my core. I want someone else. I don't care who it is, man, mm-hmm. woman, whatever. Yeah. Just like, hey, you look good. That's all I need. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree 100%. Thank you. <laughs> they're hanging from a tree you know maybe better that's yeah i'll take that but as she's watching the branch she's standing on breaks and she winds up upside down with her skirt hanging at her shoulders and she's stuck in the tree so the hunk has to come down in a towel to try and get her down and for some reason she accidentally grabs his towel and pulls it off of him just exposing dong right in her face later he's attending to her foot in his apartment it turns out he's basically the perfect guy for her He's an orthopedic surgeon. He likes cats. He's probably got a nice dick. So she's pretty happy. She saw it, right? She literally yep. just saw it. Yeah. So. She, it's, it's at least, it's at, at least normal looking from upside down, <laughs> right? Uh, not crooked or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Listing to the side. Um, yeah. So she kind of, in, in a way, she kind of goes back on what she was saying to Mike, right? Because she's talking about like, oh, you know, he's smart and this, that, and the other thing. Mike is saying how it's all about looks at first, so that's she got a good look at Colin, so mm-hmm. she, she kind of proves Mike right. Yeah, she, the, she the won't thing, admit to it. Yeah, that was the first thing she noticed. I mean, yeah, the first she fell out of the tree. Right. I mean, the, the, the dick was right in her face. Right, you can't help it. Yeah. 
the first thing she noticed again was him you know glistening after the shower <laughs> right exactly so it she didn't know colin until she saw you know he looks fucking awesome with the shirt off yeah. so take that you could grate cheese on those abs oh and how for days <laughs> The next day at work, she gushes to her associate producer about the guy, but then she sees Mike flirting with the makeup girl, so she turns into boss bitch again, telling him to stick to the script and don't say blowjob on air, which, you know, probably shouldn't. Yeah. And then he says that she needs to keep him happy, so he's got a lot of list of demands. So on the next show, the Ugly Truth segment is Mike going off script, and they've built an entire set for him that looks like a fancy restaurant a lot of money to be pouring on a show that's uh, clutching to like third place in the ratings yeah it's, morning show it's, losing, it's losing out to reruns but yeah they don't have the budget yeah but he passes right by it to showcase the idea that men don't want fancy dinners what they want is women wrestling in jello which he happens to have outside the studio much to the surprise of his own producer which seems crazy to me um also can't we have both i was gonna say i i'm much more apt to having a fancy dinner right <laughs> I'm all for that. Yeah, this is the girls gone wild idea of what men want, right? Yeah. Yes. This is 2 a.m. Comedy Central infomercials. It's too messy. Yeah. That was too messy. I I don't need that. Yeah. So he winds up jumping into the pool of jello with the girls and just makes for some very good television, I guess, for 2009 standards. This is pre the golden age of of television, right? Breaking Bad Mm. just started. Mad Men just started. So we really haven't gotten into prestige television quite yet. It's that weird time between Sopranos ending and Breaking Bad and Mad Men really hitting their stride. Yeah, it was a wasteland for a little bit. It's like three years from Game of Thrones, season one Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. this is what passed for television, unfortunately. (laughs) After the segment, Mike and Abby get into it, and she's pissed about his exploitative brand of television likening him to the naked weather girl from Canada. And right on cue, she has a dream where she is, in fact, the naked weather girl. The next day at work, she gets the ratings reports from the previous day, and they are through the roof, which Mike can't help but gloat about. And the fact that corporate now is coming to dinner, coming down to take him to dinner. And Abby tells him that she met the perfect guy, which does exist. And they go into her office, and he asks if they've gone out on a date yet. And she says no, so he laughs, which convinces her to call her neighbor Colin and ask him out on a date. On the phone, Colin starts humming and hawing, so Mike hangs up the phone abruptly and tells her if she wants a date with this guy, do exactly what he says and it'll work. Colin winds up calling back, and Mike starts coaching her on the phone. At one point, he tells her to make make Colin get put on hold, and they make a deal. If she listens to him and she winds up getting the guy, that she will stop giving him shit about what he does on the air. And she agrees. And then he tells her to hang up on Colin and they leave. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's like, it, it feels like very much um, dating recommendations from mystery at this point. Mm-hmm. Like sort of, you know, you follow these exact things and you'll get any person you want. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like the song Popular yeah. by Not A Surf, but for guy, girls instead of guys. You know, yeah. how to be popular. Every boy in the whole world. Um. <laughs> it can't be that hard, right? What? I mean, for So for someone like Katherine Heigl, let's say it, it, it is Abby. Like it's just, This is Abby. It can't be that difficult. Right. She's already won the genetic lottery, right? Yeah, she, she looks great. She's got a great job. Although being a producer kind of sucks. It's very difficult. But still, yeah. pays well. Uh, you got to be confident. You, you can't be in that 
position not be confident you know yeah so yeah i i feel like she would obviously she dominates the conversation when she goes out but i feel like that's something that could be easily changed when mm-hmm. you're when you're doing that i don't think she would have that much difficulty right yeah we need we need an aspect of this where he completely makes her over like mm-hmm. princess diary style like crazy yeah. hair glasses unibrow right right yeah yeah you 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 definitely need to make her average right just because Catherine heigl is wearing a pantsuit doesn't make her unfuckable right yeah it's <laughs> yeah, some people needs, like that she needed to wear glasses because that's how you do it in every movie well glasses yeah. and a ponytail yep she has the ponytail she does and he mentions it i think yeah, he calls he, her a he, lesbian or something i think at the in the initial phone call that she makes right like oh like i get it you're a lesbian like what what how dare you <laughs> it just i would love to see her just faint like she puts her hand up to oh. <laughs> uh, thus begins a montage of mike's ugly truth conversation about men and women with abby about how men cannot be trained or improved, how to laugh at everything a guy says, and that she has to start dressing to attract men more, and her hair needs to be longer. So they go back to her place, and she shows off a new dress that they bought, and she looks great, all dolled up, and now he says that it's time to learn how to flirt. She says she does know how to flirt, and he scoffs, and then she flirts with him, and it works. Then there's a knock at the door, and it's Colin asking what happened to her today, and she just laughs it off and tells him to call her back later. But then he asks her to a minor league baseball game. So they go to the game and it's the classic sitcom trope of going on a date while someone coaches you with an earpiece. Quick question for Dan. Um, Am I the only one that was confused when he asked to go to the Devils game? No. Immediately I was like, oh, I guess they're, you know, the Devils are playing in uh, L.A. or whatever. I don't What's close to Sacramento? San Francisco? Francisco, yeah. So it'd be San Jose and hockey. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I was confused. Okay. I immediately thought it was hockey. Yeah, I thought it was hockey, and I was like, "Wait, does this take place in New Jersey?" Because you wouldn't say you wouldn't say, hey, "Let's go to the Devils game when they're away," right? Yeah. And that you live in Sacramento. <laughs> the only way that makes sense is if he's from the tri-state area, right? Is that a real minor league baseball team? Uh, I know the the Sun Devils are in Arizona, but yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so at, at the very least, they have Sacramento River Cat. So. And were they in 2009? Did they go by the name? Uh, the there's Devils. a there's a professional rec league basketball team mm, named the Sacramento Devils. Devils. Now it it's just it just feels weird to name drop them if it wasn't right. a team. Yeah, and it, the Devils um were not mentioned at any other point before that. Right, that's the problem. If you're gonna name drop a team, they have to be a big like a major league team. Let's right. go see the Kings, Sacramento Kings. Right. But here, I, I believe they've been the Rivercats for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I hope I guess they're banking on people knowing that. I, I think that's an odd. Well, choice. no, I'm just saying I'm saying that the devils don't exist. So it's weird to name drop out of context a name of a team that, as far as I could tell in my very brief times researching it, doesn't exist. You want to go to a devil's game with me. Especially a name that actually is attached to an actual professional team. <laughs> so yeah. if I like, like if I if he was like, you want to go to a Yankees game later, and they wind up at a hockey game, that would be <laughs> odd. 
right? right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Staten Island Yankees. Yeah. Hockey? I, yeah, I can't even imagine. I'd be furious. Yeah, Sacramento Yankees. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> minor, minor league hockey. Sacramento <laughs> Yankees. Nothing better. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. I know you're a big, uh, big hockey guy. You don't like yeah, the Sacramento jo- Yankees? The, the jokes are pretty good for uh, minor league teams. What do you mean? No, just like um, sometimes just taking names that are also taken in other major league sports. Um, oh, gotcha. You okay. know, you know, just being confusing. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> so they go to the game of class, and it's a comedy of errors. And she keeps telling, talking to Mike out loud, and winds up dropping soda on Colin's lap, and winds up on the kiss cam, and what would most definitely look like to people around them, like she's giving him an over the pants hand job. At the end of the night, Colin walks her to her door, and Mike is still there coaching her. Colin plans a big old kiss on her to end the date. Colin goes inside and Mike and Abby celebrate after he does. And when Mike leaves, he does that very telling last look back, meaning that he's got feelings for her now. He's falling for mm-hmm. the cardinal sin. He's catching feelings, bro. Yep. Mm-hmm. Last thing you want to do. Catch feelings. Even Donald Driver didn't catch feelings. Drop that shit. He had the softest hands in the land. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice little callback, Ant. Jeez, <laughs> uh, to- that totally threw me off. I was, I was going to say, the, the, the number one problem, you can't dip your pen in company ink, man. And he's, he's dangerously close. Mm-hmm. On the next Ugly Truth segment, Mike dresses up in a gorilla suit to talk about the sexual habits of bonobos, complete with sexual videos playing in the background, which couldn't possibly get past censors. After the segment, Mike's nephew shows up to ask him if it's cool to accept an invitation to a Sadie's Hawkins dance, and Mike says it's great. And now Abby sees a softer side of Mike. Now she's starting to catch feelings for him. After the kid leaves, Mike and Abby start talking about masturbation, how often Abby does it, uh, but using overusing the term flicking your bean. He says it about a dozen times. <laughs> I had I had in my notes, if you were to use this as a drinking game, you're dead. <laughs> and and every she time act- he says flick your bean. Yep. It's like at least like eight or nine times. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It again it, this is more for like the, the shock value, I think. Yeah. You don't you very rarely hear someone say that. Like you always hear them say masturbate, right? Right. Oh, or oh, jerk it. Yeah, jerk yeah. Like so, I feel like it's I feel like it's a term that doesn't come up often in these sorts of movies, like a date night movie. It's, oh, let's go see the ugly truth. And the guy gets dragged to it. And it's like, oh, they're talking about jerking off. I'm saying <laughs> flick your bean in this movie. Yeah, like, let's see how many times we could say it before we, we lose I, everybody. It's gotta be R rated, right? This is very R rated, yes. They say yeah. fuck a few times, I think. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, uh yes, R fact that, you know. It's like an R-rated romantic comedy. I guess that's got its place. I guess most yeah, R-rated in that point most of time. Most romantic comedies, I'm assuming, are PG-13, right? Yeah, usually, but this one, this one's definitely an R because it, uh, it's making you clutch your pearls. It is. It's it's in your face, man. All right, Jordan yeah. Butler, he's in your face. Even the Batman like gets a PG-13. Ugly Truth goes extra hard. <laughs> Why is everyone so confused by the Batman being PG-13? <laughs> There's never been an R-rated Batman movie. I think the, well, the Killing Joke might be rated R, but that's that's an anime cast. Oh, it's because man-children have grown up and they think these movies are still for them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's other kids out there, guys, I hate to tell you. Yeah. 
she acts all stiff about it and says that she has she doesn't do that sort of thing. Mm. Classic neurotic Abby. So as she gets rid, I'm sure that cat seen some shit. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Especially it's been at one point. I think you talk about how long it's been. It's been 11 months. Yeah, you got you gotta test it out, man. Right. Battery's yeah. gonna die if you let it stay that uh, stay dormant <laughs> that long. You gotta release the pressure valve, right? That's it's gotta saying, build up, right? That's why. I mean, I get it. That's why she's so wound up. Mm-hmm. It's the old cliche joke, like, "Oh, you need to get laid, lady." But yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario where I would go eleven months without doing that to myself. Yeah, I, unless I, you I, get I, like you like you lost both testicles and. I'd have to lose both my arms. <laughs> In the same accident that killed Jason Marsden, James right. Marsden. I, that's the thing. There I was go. the Uber driver. <laughs> but I that's... live, but I, I lose my, I, I lose my downtown area. Now, I'm like, feeling, yeah. so getting back to 28 dresses, I'm feeling like he's driving a classic convertible that has just married and the cans behind it. Because <laughs> he's, when he gets Robert T-boned Marston. by that track, that's that when he gets tracked, uh, t-boned by that tractor trailer right and the the only thing you see see people running towards the accident it's just you see the just married sign kind of float down and then, <laughs> and then it lands and it's one of the cans rolling across the street <laughs> to elton john <laughs> oh that's really good someone saved is that, is, that, is, is that the truck driver is the person she falls in love with in 28 dresses it couldn't be Right, and finds out at the end. <laughs> like, he was you. Oh god, oh, I think uh, that would be so cruel. <laughs> that would. Be... <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's Raul. You're like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I just he he wasn't paying attention. He ran the red light or whatever. <laughs> Must have been listening to Elton John. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it com- it, sorry, it comes up at some point how James Marston died, and then he slowly is remembering that day. Oh, right. We're both listening to Elton John. Same station. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> Elton John cannot be played on radios anymore. <laughs> it's a hazard. It's like it's like what uh the, the Sex in the City movie did to Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> when Mr. Big died, like the stock tanked. <laughs> like, like you see 28 dresses and like uh Elton John gets the gets Robert Marston killed. Headline Elton John music being pulled from Spotify and all radio stations. I mean, that might be a good thing. <laughs> oh, I love Elton John. No, meaning for his music Spotify. Spotify. Oh, for Spotify. Okay. I thought I was going to say we're we're bashing Elton John. <laughs> we're Mark with the hot the super hot take. I hate Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> Does that go above or below my hatred of Star Wars? Really? Uh, oh, I feel like so I feel like everybody loves Elton John. Yeah, yeah. He that dude's a that dude's staple. Yeah. I just can't wait for our podcast tropes page and just list all the things I hate. <laughs> on there. So far, just stepping out of the uh, the context here, you have the most going on in this podcast. You don't contribute to the what you've watched. <laughs> <laughs> you hate the most things that everybody likes, <laughs> and you got the Star fast Wars. and the furious. Star Wars art and Elton John, Elton John. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, El- but summer summer catch and Fast and the Furious. That's your <laughs> shit. <laughs> Am I secretly the villain of this podcast? I don't. I mean, I think it might be a secret only to you. Oh wow! Is that one of those things where there's an asshole in every room, and if you don't know who it is, then it's you? 
kind of, yeah. I, I yeah. love I love that. Because <laughs> Mark, you, like, you're the quiet one, but you have the most going on. And I secretly love that. It's not so secretly anymore. I, yeah, I have I have the most fan fiction being written. <laughs> so good. Uh, so as she gets ready for her next date with Colin, there's a prize at the door. It's a gift for Mike, vibrating underwear. She goes back to getting ready when she gets a text from Colin saying he's going to be late. So she thinks, let me see what these vibrating panties are all about. She puts them on. There's a knock at the door immediately, and it's Mike and the boss picking her up to go to dinner with corporate. So Mike and the boss hijack the date, and Colin comes along as well. And Mike has also invited the two girls that were wrestling in Jello. Everyone sits down to dinner and makes and Mike makes a crack about getting a raise. So Abby kicks him under the table and winds up knocking the remote to the pan needs out of her bag and out into the restaurant floor where it is picked up by some kid that thinks it's a toy. And apparently this kid is dining alone in this restaurant. <laughs> it doesn't seem that way, right? <laughs> so while Abby tries to talk to corporate, the kid starts pressing the buttons on the remote, causing the panties to go off with hilarious consequences. Oh, man. Wink, wink. Hilarious. And she winds up orgasming as she's trying to talk about the promos that they're planning. At the end of the dinner, Mike tells her that Colin likes her. He can tell. And then montage of Colin and Abby going on dates together with pocket full of sunshine playing because it's 2009. Yep. And then after the montage, Mike and Abby have business lunch at a dive bar and they talk about how much of a man whore Mike is. So uh, slut shaming him. It says that he can only he only slept with one of the Jello wrestling girls, and now Abby says cock with reckless abandon. Yeah, the, the, he specifically mentions it's the one that can read. Yeah, okay, great. Wouldn't, wouldn't it make more sense if he didn't sleep with either of them, or do you just you have to keep that facade going? Like, oh yeah, he he is kind of like a sleaze bag. I I honestly think a well like written version of this movie is that he's basically just bullshitting everything. And he sure. doesn't actually sleep with them. Mm. You know, that's just him putting up a front. Right. You know, but I, they don't ever explain if it is a front or if it's really what he's doing. You know, and, and in that version, there is a story to go with. Yeah. Who broke your heart when here it's just like, oh, well, it's just bad relationships in general. Yeah, I was literally I was going to say that when he has the yeah. dinner with her and like, oh, who? Yeah. Who broke your heart? It would just be like everybody. Uh, I've I've never been able to really pin down something like that. You know, like I've, I've tried to go out on dates and it just it never works. You know, I I can't do it. And he, the like a fraud essentially. Yeah. The the better um but still very uh, generic thing is if he, the thing that broke his heart was a girl breaking up with him with him acting the same way Colin acts. You know, mm-hmm. he was the okay. guy that liked cats and drank red wine and. You know, sure. Yeah. D- you know, the yeah. first time I saw it, I I half thought it was going to be a, like a woman died. And oh. for some reason that just that, like it wouldn't have made sense. Obviously, yeah. like, why would you start acting like a dickhead after like this woman you love dies? So, right. I, but it was, like that's I could see movies doing that. Yeah. But she and Colin haven't slept together yet, but they plan to the following weekend in Lake Tahoe. Next day after Mike's segment, Mike's agent shows up to tell Mike that the Late Late Show wants him to be a guest. And Abby is not very thrilled about it, at the very least because she wasn't told about it. Then her boss tells her that the trip to the Late Late Show is an audition of sorts for an affiliate in San Francisco who is going to offer Mike a job at their station for double what they're paying. Uh, Which is more likely true? Um, That they had the CBS joke written or whatever and they couldn't get David Letterman? Or is it 
Gerard Butler and you know Craig Ferguson's relationship that got this cameo? Um, I think the I don't think Letterman has been in a single movie. Yeah. Um, so I think the assumption that he would do this movie <laughs> is a farce. So probably not. Okay. Yeah. I think he's done Cabin Boy and he that's produced it. Cabin Boy and that's it. Um, so more likely the Scottish thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the boss tells her to fly to LA with Mike, have him do the show and then convince him to sign a contract with the station instead of going to the San Francisco job. So she flies out and meets up with Mike and goes to the studio with him. In the car, they argue again about how uptight Abby is and how she needs to be the version of Abby that Mike created in order to keep Colin interested. Mike goes on Craig Ferguson, and we see just a snippet of it, but Craig asks him about the woman that broke Mike's heart, which blow, which Mike blows off the question. So after the interview, Mike is in a celebratory mood as they go to the bar and have a drink. Abby tells him she knows about the job in San Francisco, and he tells her he turned it down already because he wants to be around his nephew. And then Abby asks about the girl that broke his heart. And Mike says it was more of a series of girls and bad relationships more than just one specific. And then they dance on the dance floor and surprise, surprise, they have chemistry. They almost kiss on the dance floor. But then Abby says that they have an early flight in the morning. So she should go back to the hotel. They go back to the hotel and they go to the elevator and he's, has, he's about to get off on his floor. They make out to the surprise of both of them. She goes back to her hotel room and she gets flustered about how she's feeling about the kiss and that she wants to do it again. And there's a knock on the door. She thinks it's Mike, but it's not. It's Colin coming there to surprise Abby. And boy, is she surprised. He opens a bottle of champagne and he gets it all over himself. So she goes to the bathroom to get him a towel. Outside the room, Mike Mike is trying to convince himself to go in and talk to Abby. And when he knocks on the door, Colin answers the door and Mike gets flustered and makes up some excuse and leaves. So Abby chases after him and asks him what the meaning of the kiss was in the elevator. And he blows it off saying he was, it was basically nothing. She tries to get him to say that he wants her to tell Colin to leave, but he doesn't. So, so he leaves. The whole um, context of everything leading up to this point makes this moment not hit as hard as I think the uh, writers and director were thinking it would, Mm -hmm. you know, this conversation in the hallway, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, if they would have just done, Maybe slightly more leading up to it of close calls between them. Maybe it does. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those. Oh, we got to have this moment in there. And right. they just put the, it in there. The problem, the one problem with it is he's getting upset at her when he's the one moving in on her when she's dating somebody. And then he acts all stuck up about it. Right. You're the one who's, you know, you're throwing out the big flirting. Like you want to dance with her. You want to drink with her. Dude, you're moving in on some other guy's territory right now. Right. It's not like it's not like Colin is some random guy. He's for all yeah, intents and purposes. For all intents and purposes, he's the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's essentially hit the the thought is is that Mike's character is acting the way he's acting because he's mad that he fell in love with her. Essentially, is the thing, and he's not yeah. even thinking about Colin. And yeah, he's a douchebag. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's established in the whole movie. Abby goes back into the room and basically tells Colin that she has been pretending to be someone she's not throughout the relationship, and she can't keep doing it. So she breaks up with Colin, and when she gets back into Sacramento, the boss tells Abby that Mike quit to go work at a competing network in the same market, and she says that they'll just replace him. She starts looking at prospects for the new Ugly Truth segment, and they pick one. And Mike gets acquainted with his new team over at the other network, and then we cut to a hot air balloon festival when they're... Where, where they are doing on location the Ugly Truth segment. Mike is also there to do a segment as well. Mike's replacement, Jack Magnum, starts his segment 
and Mike watches from the news van and Jack Magnum basically admits on there that he has had sex with over 130 women and that some of them may have been unconscious at the time and that no doesn't necessarily mean no. If you if you if you do the math right he's admitted to um uh, essentially sexually assaulting 47 or 37 with 47 women. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't even put that as uh it was the it was a different time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was very much still a big problem. Yeah. 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 Um, especially um, when you think about what was going on at the time in Hollywood itself. Correct. Yes. Jack Magnum is to blame for all of it. He's Harvey Weinstein. No. <laughs> so, so Abby literally drags Jack, Jeff, Jack Magnum off the shot and steps into the hot air balloon to do her own brand of the ugly truth, calling out Mike right on the air for bailing on her and saying that men are unreliable. So Mike storms onto the hot air balloon and takes the microphone to slut shame Abby on air for possibly sleeping with her boyfriend in a hotel room. And they bicker for the rest of the segment. And then the hot air balloon pilot lifts off and they wind up high in the air as there is still an onboard camera, which for some reason the station is unwilling to cut away from despite the possibility of cursing on air, which happens. Then Mike professes his love for Abby and they make out in a wonderful 2009 CG hot air balloon. And then we get a quick scene of Abby and Mike consummating the relationship and Abby may or may not be faking an orgasm, which I will refer to as Schrodinger's orgasm. And that is the (laughs) end of the ugly truth. Yeah, I would admit the director's performance uh, during that whole... Uh, scene might be the best performance in the movie. No way, you're crazy. It's Jack Magnum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a Catherine Heigl movie. Yeah, it's a good way to describe it. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, like... thinking about it, because um, you guys mentioned the other stuff. I wonder how much uh, the anchors ad libbed their stuff in this. Probably play. a good amount. Yeah, because yeah, right? those actors are pretty like they're good enough to that. Yeah, why would you hire those two if you weren't going to let them? Yeah, there's a little bit. There's that one passing line where they say either Mike or it's uh, or Larry says something, and then the camera just stays with Cheryl Hines, and she goes, "Yeah, like yeah, like my vagina." (laughs) Oh yeah, like something's untouched, and like yeah, like my vagina. (laughs) You know, it was just it it was one of those where in these types of movies, when you hire those people, you're like, "All right, let's just stay with her and see if she comes up with anything." Yeah, right. One hundred percent. Great. Yeah. that's that's it. It's it's a it's exactly the movie you think it is. It's a typical Catherine Heigl, Heigl movie. If you had to like say what's her stereotypical one, it's probably this. Probably yeah. this or Twenty Seven Dresses. Yeah, yeah. The um. So now that that's over. All right, guys. Twenty eight dresses. So <laughs> so do we have a tagline? <laughs> uh, we'll have to workshop that. Yeah. yeah, I don't have anything <laughs> off the top of my head. I, I'm sad though. I'm I'm sad because Gerarduary is over. Well, just three hundred sixty more days till Gerarduary <laughs> comes back. Yeah. You have you have that long to figure out which movie you're going to talk about next. Yeah, I I've and never... why it's the Bounty Hunter with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Nicole yeah, Aniston. Nicole Aniston. <laughs> that's the uh, the uh, that's when times get really tough for Gerard. Butler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, his only fan um and yeah i i am i've never hoped for something to catch on more in drawjuary <laughs> we'll have to make t-shirts shit out of it it'll be our first t-shirt is drawjuary yeah. <laughs> i don't know which shot of him do we put on there just put a, like a, a headshot of him i don't know <laughs> <laughs> there's probably like a picture of him looking smug behind the news desk for from this movie 
<laughs> we put him in the is ape it, costume. I was going to say, is it the one in the ape costume? <laughs> right? There's probably a shot of him, like, behind the desk where, like, both hands are up, like, mm, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> so, and when when you make the uh, quotes, the, yeah. The, the, uh, the, yeah, when you do that for this movie, it's got to be with him in the, the uh, ape outfit, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure that I find yeah. the picture. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's, that's my gift for Drudgeware. <laughs> All right. I, I think that's, uh, I think we talked this movie to death. We also talked about a movie that doesn't exist to death. So uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week. Next week is going to be our Valentine's Day episode. So tune in for that. We always do something special for that one. And this year will be no different. So. Uh, yeah, the director of The Ugly Truth from 2009 was Robert Luketic. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Robert Luketic, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie.